Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 12, titled, We Must Confess. All right, amen. Good morning. How's everybody? All good? As far as you know? Luke chapter 12. Making our way through the New Testament, actually through the book of Luke. And uh, been there for quite a while. We will be there for quite a while. Luke chapter 12 and the following chapters, if you happen to have a red letter edition, you notice most of the letters are red. So you're basically in Jesus' university. Mass, in timeline, you're looking at the past last two or three months of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's basically spending most of his time speaking directly to his apostles. The exception is, is you have here this... Uh, Unusual occasion in which Jesus has this massive crowd that gathers around him. Uh, the word that's used here in the first verse is a word that we use, we translate into our language as myriad. Uh, comes from the Greek language. It was a word that they would use when they couldn't count. So above 10,000, they would not count. They didn't, have, didn't see a reason to count people above 10,000. They would just say there was a myriad of people. So it was thousands of, 10,000s upon 10,000s of people, and they're all gathered around Jesus. Of course, there's no PA system, so it's not like you can stand over there and listen to him. So if you want to hear Jesus, you've got to be over here. But if everybody get, comes over here, you get the picture. So there was a problem, of course, with that. It's kind of like a soccer game, getting, getting trampled here. So we pick it up here in verse 1. And Jesus uses this occasion to address a very interesting topic. We started with it last time. We're going to continue with it today. Under these circumstances, after so many thousands, again, the word there is myriads, a multitude had gathered together. They were stepping on one another. He began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So leaven, of course, is yeast. If you take a little pinch from a, a leavened or a fermented dough and you place it into an unfermented dough, it spreads all the way through. It just takes a little bit. It's a very graphic word picture for us. So so these guys that he's wor worried about, these false teachers, these Pharisees, he says their teachings, their influence, uh, their doctrines, their thought patterns, their practices, etc., are very dangerous. It doesn't take a lot to mess you up. So beware of these. He's, so this great existential threat of the day, like I said, Jesus has got the greatest crowd possibly that's ever gathered around him, and he speaks of the greatest existential threat, which is this false teaching. Same is true today. Greatest existential threat on the planet today, send you to hell. No kidding, is false teaching. Billions are under the doctrine of false teaching. A, a teaching that's moral, a teaching that's religious, a teaching that includes Jesus, just the wrong one. Sending people to hell today, the greatest existential threat on the planet. You're all going to die anyway, right? Yeah. Not COVID, something else is going to get you. But when you step out of this life, where you're going to go? See, that's going to be forever. So maybe you don't believe in afterlife, you know, it's, it's kind of like not believing in gravity. So it's interesting, though, if you don't believe in gravity, you still don't, you don't weigh less. It doesn't change, you know. And if you trip, it's not like you float to the, and I don't believe in gravity anymore, so when I trip, I float to the ground instead of falling flat on my face. But it doesn't affect anything, you know, your belief system doesn't change reality. The reality is there is actually a heaven and a hell, and Jesus is the determining factor of those things, as we're going to see today. So he uses this opportunity to speak of the greatest existential threat, as he said, which is this spiritual hypocrisy, just this little bit of even, their, even them can be very dangerous to us. A hypocrite is an actor. Remember, we saw this last time. If I call you hypocrite in our culture, that's like a bad thing, right? 
Like, I'd rather be called a liar than a hypocrite. I mean, there are all kinds of liars in this room, but hypocrites, I mean, there's just, you know, that's the worst thing there is. In their culture, the word hypocrite just simply was a term for actor. Just like, you know, actors. You got your favorite actor, right? You got your actress or whatever. It was that term. It wasn't all that bad. It was the application that Jesus is using here that refers to it being bad. A hypocrite was an actor, a person who puts on a mask. Jesus says there's these spiritual hypocrites, these spiritual actors who act the role of godly people, but in fact they're not. They act the role of someone who's teaching the truth, but in fact they're not teaching the truth. They act the role of somebody going to heaven, but in fact they're not going to heaven. And their, their doctrines are pervasive and can keep you out of heaven if you aren't careful with them. And so Jesus is going to give us three things here that are going to keep us from falling to their hypocrisy. Actors are, uh, we pay for actors to mess with us, don't we? we go to the movies. I remember when the movie was a dollar. Well, I guess in some places it still is. I remember when the movie, when it came out, was a dollar. Now it's how much, I don't go anymore. How much is it now? It's like seven bucks, eight bucks. They live stream them now, so it's just like, sit at home. Uh, it's expensive. We pay these guys and gals. I mean, in every culture today, the actors and actresses are some of the most highly paid people. It was true also in the Greek culture. So things, times have changed, people haven't changed. So these actors, if you will, we pay them to make us laugh, to make us cry, to frighten us. But the good thing, especially scary movies, is that one and a half hours, the lights come back on. Yeah. So I can live through that. I mean, there have been some movies where I thought, wow, I can't wait for the lights to come on here. Uh, but, but, uh, and I don't watch movies like that anymore. But we, we pay actors to tamper with our emotions. Well, these spiritual actors that Jesus is warning against do the same thing. Except the difference is that the lights don't come on at the end of the movie. They never come on. The purpose is to keep you in the dark. And in fact, the doctrines that they sell are not just lines on a script. They're actually empowered by demons. In fact, the Bible calls them doctrines of demons. So they have this spiritual energy that's behind them. It's very powerful, not to be taken lightly. Be very careful with these guys. Jesus warns. So he, gets, he says, listen, he gets the greatest crowd together effectively. And he says, watch out for these guys. Of all the things he could have said, he could have talked about the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. Not that he didn't teach on those things. But when he gets a big crowd together, he says, watch out for the leaven, this pervasive doctrine. They're good actors. And they send people to hell. Here's, here's an example. You know this guy? Jim Jones? Good actor. He taught 900 people to kill themselves, into killing themselves and their children. How'd he do it? Really good acting. Really good. He, the lights didn't come on at the end of the movie, did they? No. This is not a game. This is serious business. By the way, he's super small change, 900 people compared to, in some cases, billions underneath the doctrines of Hinduism or Muslim or, or uh, Taoism or whatever you, ism you have uh, out there. Dangerous, very dangerous. So Jesus, as I said, gives us three things here in this passage in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 12. Gives us three things that we need to do in order to avoid the doctrine. So how, how can I keep from being influenced by, by this pervasive stuff? So, so I'm in the lump, if you will, of humanity and, and this, this, this yeast of these false teachers and uh, liars are, is out there. How do I avoid it? Well, there's, he gives us three things that are going to inoculate you, uh, make you immune to what they do. The first thing we saw last time, which is to fear God. Fearing God is the first and most important thing that you need to do. Why should you fear God? Because 
you really need to. Look, look with me at verse 2. Jesus gives us three reasons here. We saw them last time. Number one, he says, verse, verse 2, because everything's going to be uncovered, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden, that will not be made known according to whatever you have said in the dark. So shall you be heard, so shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Everything you thought you were getting away from or with, you're not. Good reason to be afraid of God because he knows your stuff and he's not going to hide it. It's coming out. So the first reason is because God's going to uncover everything. The second reason is because God's capable and the only one capable of throwing you in hell. Satan doesn't throw people to hell. God does. Verse 4. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. They can put you six feet under. But they can't affect your everlasting life. On the other hand, God, I will warn you, whom you should fear, the one who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Yeah, be a good idea. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. It's where you start getting smart. How do you know somebody's not very smart? They don't fear God. Jim Jones, by the way, did not fear God. How do we know? Because he, what he did. And then he shot himself. Now, he doesn't expect to meet, didn't expect to meet God after this life. Uh, he knows now. It's interesting, eternity is going to be a place of complete equality in some, some respects, especially mentally, educationally. Hell is going to be just, in my opinion, and I think I can prove it, is just going to be as, it's going to be just as educated as heaven. When we get there, that's when we're going to know the answers. Yeah, either place. Part of what's going to make hell hell is that you're going to know. See, what, what, he, what he talked himself out of in 900 people, he can't do that anymore. Not now. Not now. It's going to be a place of extreme education. Heaven and hell both. So, so fear God, number one. And then number two, Jesus says, what happens? So what's the progression of fearing God? So I fear God, okay. So I'm, I'm a, I, I fear, I, I'm confident that God can throw a person like me in hell. Oh, we forgot to look at the third one, verse six. I'm confident, verse six, that God is going to see every last thing. Verse six, are, you not, are not five sparrows sold for two cents? They're basically worthless. And yet not one of them is forgotten before God? How many of you came here to see the sparrows on South Padre Island? We got millions of them. Far more, dozens of times over again more than we have seagulls and pelicans. But you notice the seagulls and pelicans. But you don't notice the little brown birds. Why? Because nobody cares about sparrows except God does. In fact, it goes on to say in Matthew, another place, that every time a sparrow hits the ground, God knows it. Not just does he know the sparrows. He knows them every time they hop. So up, back down, up, back down. What does it, that begs the question, doesn't he know? Every hair of your head, it goes on to say, is numbered. Why? Because he's got nothing better to do? No, because he just knows everything. He knows everything. A very good reason for you to fear God is because, yeah, he knows your stuff. He's not going to leave any of it uncovered. So a smart move, a first move, is to fear God. And then a second move here is to come to Jesus. Notice the progression in the fear of God is not just that I stand trembling before a holy God, which is a good step. But I move on to faith in his Son. Look with me at verse 8 and 9. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me, Jesus speaking, before men... The Son of Man shall confess him also before the angels of God, in fact, in the presence of, of God himself. 
But he who denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So Jesus is crucial. You cannot go around Jesus and still get to God. Because Jesus says, you don't come to God except through me. And if you deny me, I will deny you in the presence of God's holy angels, which is, of course, the presence of God himself. But if you confess me, what does that mean? We're going to see. So confessing Jesus is crucial, absolutely crucial. A lot of modern, modern religious thinkers think Jesus is optional. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. You just read it. Let's read it other places. Jesus says this over and over again. Because, by the way, the, the people who were giving him a hard time, the people who were going to kill him are God people, in their minds at least. They're religious people. They, they think, as we're going to see in just a second, they have a relationship with God and that they can keep that relationship with God and yet at the same time not have a relationship with Jesus. Not possible. It's not possible. You're not going around Jesus to get to God. There's not another God option, another road to God, except through Christ. Watch, he already said that, but watch these verses here. John 5, 23. All will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Oh, well, that's informative. So we're going to worship Jesus just like the Father? Yep. We're going to serve Jesus just like we serve the Father? Yep. We're going to exalt Jesus just like we exalt the Father? Yep. How can we do that unless Jesus is God? Yep, you got it. You got it right there. All will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. The one who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sinned. And there's no road around to God because Jesus is God. So you've got to honor Jesus in order to honor God. And if you don't honor Jesus, well, then you have nothing to do with God nor the heaven he's going to be in. You won't have a part of that. That is your option. Modern religious thinkers think there's a way around Jesus. There is not. So the thinkers of Jesus' day thought the same thing. So they're constantly in conflict with him because they don't think he's from God. So, but Jesus noticed he's confronting them. Here's what he says. You're doing the deeds of your father. They're like, wait a minute. Who do you think our father is? They said to him, we were not born as a result of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. Jesus says, glad you brought that up because here's the point. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came forth from God and am, and am here, and for I have not even come on my own, but he sent me. So if you were really with God, you would come to Jesus. Let me just say this. If you're interested in God, you have to come to Jesus. And if you're not interested in God, that's fine. If you're not interested in heaven, that's your business. But I'm telling you, there's no road around Jesus to get to God. There's just not one. There's no way because he actually is God. And we're going to see that. It's going to be critical for our confession of Christ. He goes on, by the way, in verse 44 of the same chapter to tell them who their father is. He says, you're doing your deeds of your father. Notice who their father is. You're of your father the devil. These were guys that were in synagogue every single Saturday. He read the Bible every single day of the week. Prayed every day. Were exalted as to be some of the most moral people in their culture. How do we know they're not? Well, number one, they killed Jesus, the Son of God. That's a problem. Number two, they, well, Jesus, before they ever do that, he says, you have your father, the devil. You, don't wanna, you want to do the desires of your father. So, so people that want God but don't want Jesus, it tells them who their dad is. So notice there's not a neutral ground. It's not like in voting for Jesus or voting against Jesus and then I'm abstaining from Jesus. There's no abstaining. 
either for him or you're against him. So it's not like they weren't religious or moral. It wasn't like they were interested in their concept of God. Not like that. They were wholehearted for that. They just wanted absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. Jesus says, it's because you're from the devil. Wow. Wow. Something to take in, right? The devil, listen, wants nothing to do with the real Jesus. Now, we'll talk about a a Jesus, but not the real one. The real Jesus, he wants nothing to do with. Remember the demons on on the the Sea of Galilee? The demoniac had this legion of demons inside of him. When when they come up to Jesus, they they say, well, here's what they say. The demons cried out saying, what business do do you have with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the day? Well, nothing to do with the real Jesus. Not at all. And those who promote the doctrines of these demons don't want anything to do with Jesus either. Again, they will have a Jesus in the theology. Muslims do. Hindus do. Mormons do. Jehovah's Witness do. But it's not the real thing. It's not. Because he doesn't say the things that Jesus says, and he doesn't require you to do the things that Jesus do, and he will always allow you to go around him to get to God. Not the real Jesus. Not the real one. You have to confess, Jesus says, the truth about who I am. Again, John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father. That's, that's, that's categorical. Except through me. There's no road to God except through Jesus. Have you come to God through Jesus? I'm not asking if you're a religious person or if you don't have a heart to know God. I'm just saying history proves there's a lot of people who thought they had a heart for God but who did not want Jesus, and they're not coming to God. You've been lied to. You've been infected by this, this, this ilk of, of teaching that's out there. It's out there. Why would Jesus take a huge crowd and tell them about something that really didn't matter? He's not going to do that. He's got a lot better going on up there. He's going to tell them the most greatest thing, the greatest existential threat on the planet today is the false teachings of these uh, hypocritical teachers who teach anything other than the real Jesus. So, so the devil wants nothing to do with him. The, the, the demons want nothing to do with him. Uh, it goes on. Jesus, Jesus says, says to them, I've been with you for so long time. He's talking to Philip. And yet have you not come to know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. You're not going to go around Jesus and find the Father because then Jesus is the Father. For you come to the Father is through Him. There's no road around Jesus. There's no bypass that you get around Jesus to get to the Father. We have to confess the Son. What does it mean then to confess Jesus? If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and before His angels, right? If you don't, if you deny me, I'll deny you. So what does it mean? It's critical that we know what that means. When, when, when someone confesses, what's happening? They're owning up to the truth. They're confessing. Come on, confess up, we'll say. Fess up. We know what you did. Just say it. We, when we, it says in the Scriptures, John, 1 John 1, 9, confess, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? Say the same thing God does about your sin. Don't say it's a disability. Don't say it's something you inherited to your debt. Don't say you had a bad day. Don't say it was a driver in front of you. Call it what it is. It was wrong. It was sin. I sinned. That's confession. You're, you're saying the truth about what you did. That's confessing sin. Saying the truth about who Jesus is 
is confessing Jesus. We have to say the truth about Jesus. You may have read this recently that China, of course, literally has billions of people, and they have a problem with traffic. Everybody's got a moped and a scooter and a Honda and a, you know, a little motorcycle and a bicycle and all kinds of moving violations, all kinds of parking violations, all kinds of pedestrians crossing, jaywalking and stuff. How would you like to be a traffic cop in, China, in Beijing, for instance? I mean, wow, that would be horrible. So, so one of the things that they started doing, because there was just such an inundation of, of people doing things they shouldn't do, and there's, of course, they're not near enough cops, and so every time they write a citation, they write a, they write a citation even if they gave you a warning. Now they've decided if they write you a citation at all, you get a fine, unless you confess. Here's the deal. With them. It's, it's experimental. It's not 100% across China, but it is true in some of their provinces. That if you, will, if you have, get this warning, you have to go online. The only way you're not charged for what you did is you have to go on social media and you have to write a full confession. And you have to link it with their DMV so that they can see it and say, yep, that's exactly what she did or whatever. And then you have to, in addition, get tw at least 20 likes. So you have to say, they have to say, in other words, they have to verify that what you say on there is true. And then it has to be moving enough to at least get 20 people to say, yep, 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 yep. That's interesting. Otherwise, they send you a bill because they're sick and tired of just simply writing offenses and nobody actually ever doing, changing anything. So they're making them confess, tell the truth. To confess Christ is to acknowledge all that is true about him. Have you confessed Christ? I'm not asking if you know who Jesus, you know something about Jesus. You're kind of in church. I mean, I'm thinking you've heard his name before. Not, not asking you're necessarily interested in God. I'm assuming that you are, because here you are. But what is the truth about Jesus? So many Jesuses are promoted out there. So many false teachings. What's the truth? The Bible gives us three main things that we must confess about Christ in order to have him as a Savior. Number one, the truth about Jesus is that, we've already said it, that he is God. That's the truth. That, 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 that Jesus the Son is going to be authored just the same as God the Father. Why? Because they're one and the same. They're one and the same. Can I honor one and not honor the other? Because they're one and the same. They're one and the same. Jesus, just, here's John, 1 John chapter 4. Whoever confesses the same word there says the truth about this, owns to the truth, acknowledges the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. God remains in him, and he in God. Jesus has to be God. He has to be God. He has to be God on a number of levels, not just biblically, but also just, uh, if you want to think logically. So only God can save, right? So Jesus is the Savior, but he's not God? Really? That doesn't work. Only God can save. Only the infinite God could lay his life down for an effectively infinite number of sinners and sins. If he's just a man, only a man, then it's only exchange one for one. Let's say if I'm totally righteous, which is far from the truth. But if I was, and I was willing to lay down my life for you, which is also probably far from the truth. I don't know. Some people are nicer than others, not me so much. I can only one life for one life. So what about the rest of the people here? So I laid down my life for you. You get to go to heaven. Nobody else does. Because I'm only one guy. 
The infinite God, on the other hand, can lay down his life for an infinite number of people in sins. Make sense? It's just logic. But it just flat out says in the scriptures that he's God over and over again. The Son of God is of the same nature as the Father. He's unique in that. No one else like him. That Jesus actually is God of the same substance as God himself. You have to confess the truth about Jesus. You have to. So truth number one, Jesus is God. Truth number two, Jesus is also 100% man. How do you get, so he's 100% God and 100% man. How do you become 200% of anything? I don't, the math doesn't work, I agree. But that is exactly the way the Bible teaches him. Jesus is 100% man. Second John chapter 7. Many deceivers. Again, those that teach anything different than this, that's what they are. They're liars. They're deceivers. They're hypocrites. They're actors. And they're, they're, they're plunderers of the souls of men. They destroy. They don't have to get you to drink the Kool-Aid like Jim Jones. All they got to do is teach you a doctrine and leave you on your own. You're headed in the wrong way. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge, notice, Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. That's human. So he's the son of God and the son of man, yep. Have gone out, all these have gone out into the world, and as such persons is a deceiver, as that person is a deceiver and a, what? It's antichrist, wow. See, it doesn't give us a, an abstaining middle, doesn't it? I didn't vote in favor of Jesus, but I didn't vote... And I didn't vote against Jesus. I just abstained from Jesus. No. No, no. Notice, it's not, notice it doesn't say they're against Jesus. They're just against the Jesus who's a man. By the way, the Scripture teaches that today there is on the throne of God a man. Did you know that? He's Jewish, by the way. His name is Jesus. I hope you don't have a problem with that because you've got yourself a problem if you do. Because that's what it is. Many deceivers have gone to acknowledge that Jesus that not, do not acknowledge Jesus coming in the flesh. Such a person, notice, is not just a ambivalent toward Jesus. They're a deceiver in the Antichrist. Wow. That's serious business. See, if you don't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, you're, you're on the other side. Like I said, you're either a son of God, or in the case of the, the Pharisees, you're a son of the devil. There's no ambivalent middle. There's no abstaining middle at all. The truth about Jesus is that he is God, that he is man, and then finally, that he is Lord. That means absolute, over everything, creator and judge, and everything, that he is in control of everything. Notice what it says here in Romans 10, 9. Again, the same word, if you confess, tell the truth with your mouth that Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You, have you done that? That's a very important question. That you, you, You've got to tell the truth about Jesus. You can't expect to go to the heaven that Jesus owns and not telling the truth about him down here. You're going to tell, not tell the truth about him down there, he's going to tell the truth about you up there, which is you're not going to go. That's, that's exactly what he said. You deny me here, I'll deny you there. That's how it works. Jesus as Lord. Notice it goes on to say, Romans 10, 13, if for whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that's as simple as that to be saved. But notice, you're not calling on just a Savior, you're calling on Lord. Lord. Absolute Lord. Absolutely. If you're going to confess the truth about Jesus, you need to know He's God, He's man, He is 
Lord. Ten times in the New Testament, Jesus is called Savior. Ten. You know how many times he's called Lord? Seven hundred. Seven hundred. You know, a lot of us are good with Jesus being the Savior. Now Jesus is the Savior. But he, as, if he's only Savior, he kind of leaves you alone, right? I, I have my sins taken care of. You know, thank you, Jesus. And um, I'll, I'll let you know the next time I need you kind of thing. No, you come to Jesus, you come to him not just as Savior, as Lord. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Call in the name, whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. 700 times he's called that. To have Jesus as Savior, you must own up to the truth of his Lordship. What does that mean? Now here's some, some things that it means. You, you aren't above, among other things, adding Jesus to your life. You don't add Jesus to your life. First of all, you don't have a life to begin with. The scripture says you're dead in your trespasses and sins outside of Christ. So you don't have a life to add him to, number one. Number two, he's absolute Lord. He adds you to him, not the other way around. This isn't you get to run your own life. No, you're, you're, you're repenting of your life, your ideas of how it's supposed to work. You're turning from that and turning to Christ. Because he's Lord, right? You're confessing him as, as Lord. You're turning from your life to, to, to find real life in him. And, and by the way, if you don't turn, well, you don't have life. Whoever wants to save his life, yeah, you don't want that. Whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. For what good does it do a person if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Good question. Very good question. And what good is that? You don't get to keep your life. You're repenting of your life. My life was sending me to hell. The doctrines and the things that I believe were taking me to hell. I'm turning from those things and I'm turning to Christ. That's the picture. Not adding Jesus to your life. If that's what you think, listen, you don't have the right Jesus. He's not addable. He's not like, a, I don't know, an app for your phone or something. He's Lord. He's not come to be added. He's come to take over. That's what it means to be Lord. It'll be the best thing you ever did. You're, you're dying to yourself. You don't get to keep your life. You're repenting of that life. When we baptize, we immerse. And not just because, you know, they call us Baptists, so we have to do it, you know, to keep up with our name. No, it's the picture. Baptism is a symbolic thing. So you trusted Christ. You've confessed Christ, right? You've come to him as man and God and Lord, and you've accepted his salvation because you know there's no other way to come to God except through him. And so you've done that. Great. And so how do we know the difference? Well, you submit yourself to a thing called baptism. And we immerse you in water because that's what the Scriptures command us to do. First of all, that's why we do it. Second reason why we do it is because of the picture that it gives. See, when you accept Jesus, you're accepting his payment for your sins. He dies on a cross to pay for your sins, and then they buried him in a grave. They put him under, right? They didn't sprinkle dirt on his face. Same reason why we don't sprinkle water on yours. Does it, the picture doesn't make sense. You understand? You understand? If it's going to be symbolic, well, it needs, the picture needs to make sense, doesn't it? Well, if it's a picture, then don't give us the wrong picture. Therefore, we put you under. So when we come to Christ, we go through a ritual that pictures our death. Why? 
Because that's what's happening. You were dead anyway. You've died to yourself now, and now you're alive to Christ. Again, there is what it says. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death. It goes on. Our old self was crucified with him. You, you, they don't come down live off a cross. In order that our body of sin might be done away with, because you don't want to keep that, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for the one who has died is freed from sin. Don't you want that? See, but you've got to die for that to happen. Die to yourself. Alive to Christ. He's the Lord. You're dying to you to live for Him because that is what He is. He is Lord. I want us to underscore one verse, one word in a verse here, and then we're going to be done. Look at verse 8 of chapter 12. I say to you, Jesus, red letters, everyone, I want you to underline that word, that's a good word, that's an important word, it's either the best word you've ever heard or it's the worst word you'll ever hear, because that everyone applies to both sentences, verses 8 and 9, everyone who confesses or everyone who denies, it's an everyone statement here, all categorical, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man shall also confess also before the angels, that's super good news, so it doesn't matter what you've done. I'm too far gone. There's no way God can save me. That's not what Jesus said. It's not my heaven. I probably wouldn't let you in. It's not my heaven. You probably wouldn't let me in. So we'd all have a big war up there. That's great. That's kind of the way it is down here. It's not going to be our place. It's going to be his. Everyone who confesses me tells the truth about me before men. The Son of Man shall confess, tell the truth about him also before the angels. Again, everyone applied to the next verse. Everyone who denies me before men, shall be denied before the angels of God. doesn't matter how religious you are, how moral you are, how much of a big Christian everybody thinks you are. You do not own up to the truth of Jesus. Listen, he will deny you entrance. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we come to a conclusion this morning. Have you come to the time and place in your life where you've confessed the Son? Have you called on the Lord? to save you so you know that he's God you know that he became a man so that he could die and pay for your sins you know that he's Lord now there's all left to do is call on him right there in your heart and no magic words just just a heart that really wants the salvation the forgiveness that Jesus brings that really fears God and knows that God is capable of throwing a person like you in hell and doesn't want that. And is willing to say in the presence of God right now, God, I confess Jesus. I trust Jesus. It's not a Baptist thing, a Catholic thing, a Methodist thing. Don't let any of those things hang you up. It's a Jesus thing. It's a relationship with a real person. You only come to God through his son. There is no road around that to God. Do you want God? Do you want to live with him forever? You have to come to Christ. God, I thank you that you're saving everyone who calls upon you because you're faithful to us. I thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price so that we could just even have the opportunity to be able to call, so that we can even know the truth. You intervened 
in the midst of all these lies and all the things that Satan puts out there and the people that he uses to pervade them, Lord, you have intervened with the truth. God, I pray that as you enlighten us today, that we wouldn't turn away from that light, but we would turn straight to it, turning away from our lives, what we thought could save us, repenting of those things and coming to be alive in you. Thank you, God, for teaching us today. Thank you for your conviction in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.